Hey everyone, welcome to Dear Asian Americans. This is your host, Jerry Wan, and I hope you're doing okay. There's a lot of uh, things going on in the world, fires in California, uh, flooding in New York, New Jersey, um, disaster in New Orleans, and uh, laws that are really inhibiting our, our freedoms and our rights, not just affecting women, but all of us down in Texas. And so uh, we hope that you're taking care of yourself and that we are taking care of each other as we go through um, continued challenging times, um, not to mention COVID and the Delta variant that continues to affect so many. Uh, this is a very cool weekend for us. Uh, we're releasing an episode here on Friday, uh, September 3rd. It is Shang-Chi Day. Uh, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings opens everywhere. And many of you have seen it already. Many of you have plans to go see it. Uh, hopefully you listened to my interview with Destin Daniel Cretton on Tuesday in the previous episode. And he is the director and writer. And today, so excited to share another interview with somebody critical to the success of the film, Dave Callahan, who wrote the movie alongside uh, Destin. And we talk about what it means for somebody who is uh, a professional screenwriter of superhero movies to finally write one about us and what, what that means for us. And so I encourage you to go see it. Uh, this is going to be a great month of Asian American films. Uh, we are working with uh, the team at Blue Bayou to amplify the message of Justin Chan's new movie coming out in two weeks. Um, and I know that sometimes it might be, uh, right now may not be the best time for you to want to go see a movie in the theaters, but consider uh, buying tickets to support the movie, share any content that you see on social media, or do what we're doing here at Just Like Media. Uh, we have bought out a couple of theaters today and tomorrow in the Los Angeles area to host uh, friends and colleagues uh, to watch the movie uh, amongst us and in a safe, uh, safer manner. So uh, really excited to share this conversation with Dave. Uh, big shout out to Dave and the entire team that made this happen for us. Uh, best wishes to the entire Shang-Chi team as you shock and change the world today and beyond. Here now is my conversation with Dave. Hey, folks, we're really excited to be sharing this conversation this week as you hear or as you see ads, as you see a lot of content, including ours, around what I believe to be a critical time for getting our stories out there, um, not just on screen, in front of the camera, but excitedly for us, the storytellers behind the camera. And so this is one of two amazing interviews that you're hearing this week on Dear Asian Americans with the voices and, and the people who made this happen. And so today we get to talk to Dave Callahan, who is the writer for Shang-Chi. And so uh, you're hearing this probably either on release day or through the weekend. And so we're excited because, you know, we hear, as, as we do often in media, we, we talk to the stars, we talk to the actors, and they rightfully so get press. And I'm so excited to talk to the people behind because when we talk about projects, when we talk about especially movies, big budget movies like this, it takes years and years and years before the marketing goes out. And maybe we hear about it when the movie is greenlit and then it, you know, we don't hear about it. But the creative process, the ideation, the process to create. And so excited personally, um, and we just chatted about this before we hit record, fellow Michigan Wolverine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> from the same era, I think, um, at least if we compare undergrad years. Oh, oh Jerry, I'm, I think I'm a lot older than you, unfortunately, uh, for me. Well, maybe. <laughs> um, I, I did go to I did go to grad school way way later in life. So uh, okay, maybe that that is uh, um, I'm, I'm USC 2004, and so okay. there, there's also some uh, Rose Bowl. Uh, oh, actually, those, those, those were good years for us, not for yeah, you guys. Yeah, Sorry, wow. boy, this is starting hot. <laughs> this okay. is great. I didn't know that I was going to go to Michigan when those games happened. And so, anyway, 
How are you feeling this, uh, this, I guess it's Monday of release week. How are you it, feeling? Is it all, has, has it hit you yet that it's actually it, happening? It has hit me. It has finally hit me. It, uh, I'm feeling great. Thanks for asking. Thank you for having me. I, um, for a, for a variety of reasons, both because uh, out of self-preservation um, as a screenwriter and as an Asian American who's never really gotten an opportunity to tell a story like this, I have been shielding myself from the reality of this moment for a very long time. Um, I didn't allow myself to believe that it could happen. And now it's here and it seems, knock on every piece of wood I have around me, that I, I think it's too late to stop the train from leaving the station. <laughs> so I can finally relax. And I, there's been a lot of reactions to the movie. I've seen a lot of reviews. Everything seems very positive. I've, I've heard some very touching stories from people close to me and from total strangers about what the movie means. And so I've never had any experience like this as a, as a professional writer or as an Asian person. Um, so I'm feeling pretty good. I, I agree. And, you know, I had a chance to see the movie. Big thanks to Bonnie, who's listening here today and the entire team at TDW, because I, I think this whole thing and the people involved is, is an our project, right? It's, it's our movie. We wrote it, we directed it, we started it, and now we're even doing the press for it. And, and so that nuance is really important because oftentimes we don't get to tell our own stories. And if we are not sort of hands-on on the entire chain of dissemination of information, you know, it, it can lose a little bit of that context. So most people, or maybe I guess they may have learned about you as I did through Shang-Chi, but you've been writing superhero stuff for your entire career. How Not did you my get... entire career. Well, I, you've you've uh, done a lot recently. of, you, yeah. you've done some, I mean, Expendables, Wonder Woman 1984. Mm -hmm. um, you're, you're doing the, uh, the new uh, Spider-Man that's coming out. You've Spider, done a lot. Spider, of... I should, I should clarify the new Spider-Verse that's coming Spider -verse. out. There are so, there are so many Spider-Mans now that it's hard to keep track, but I'm working too, on too the animated Spider-Verse Spider sequel. Yeah. Awesome. But like th those, so tell us how you got started in that. And was that a love of superheroes as a kid that you wanted to be on the, the writing side of it? You know, I started writing 19 years ago professionally and superhero movies didn't really exist. They certainly didn't exist in the way that they exist now back then. Um, I had just started writing when I think the, the first X-Men came out and really opened people's eyes. So they sort of the quality of film that you could make out of a superhero movie. So it wasn't something that I specifically set out to do. I just wanted to write movies and tell stories. And so for the first 10 years of my career, I was writing, you know, action movies, a lot of the kinds of things that I liked to watch as a kid. But the MCU happened and I was very drawn into it. I was very excited about that sort of interconnected storytelling. So I, I was a fan. And then, you know, I don't, this is not news, but superhero movies have become more and more popular and they they take up a larger and larger percentage of the space right now and so for me it worked out perfectly because it's what i like to do anyway and it's the stories i wanted to be able to tell and i do relate very much to sort of the fantasy element of a story, superhero story i did not read a lot of comic books growing up i watched pro wrestling mm. um, which i apologize to my mother for saying out loud on a podcast but i grew up incredibly undersized and I was an Asian kid in a predominantly non-Asian community and I needed something to look to for the fantasy of what it would be like to be cool and strong and be able to stand up for myself and uh, for whatever reason I ended up finding pro wrestling before I found comic books um, but I am drawn to that kind of story. That's also fascinating Dave because and even in pro wrestling, there weren't a lot of people who looked like me and you, right? There were still <laughs> no, no. six foot plus 
big white dudes. Yeah. And, and we want, I don't know, like, I think many young, probably boys in particular sort of fantasize, right? Like it'd be cool to be cheered for and to play that. And how, how did that translate from sort of that visualization perspective of, of you seeing, or what was not sort of in your universe at that point as a kid? Well, I mean, the truth of it is, is when I was watching pro wrestling as a kid, I wasn't fantasizing about, wouldn't it be cool to be like a giant Asian dude who could pro wrestle with Hulk Hogan? <laughs> I was fantasizing about being like a giant white dude. Right. Because that's what I was seeing. Yeah. And I, you know, I have a hard time talking about this still because I'm still very new to accepting every facet of myself. But, you know, I spent a lot of my life just trying really hard not to be that Asian if mm-hmm. that makes sense, just wanting desperately to blend in to, and I, I'm pretty sure this is a fairly shared experience among a lot of Asian Americans, depending on the community that you were a part of. But for me, it was, how can I attract the least amount of attention for this part of myself that I'm not that comfortable with, and that modern media has told me is not that valid. And so, you know, only as an adult, and I become, I became a little more confident in myself and myself professionally, did I start to seek out the opportunity to tell more stories about that side of myself? And, and here we are with the ultimate opportunity. Let's talk about how that, the origin story from your perspective of how that happened, because it, you were writing superhero screenplay and stories for a while. It, it seems like there was this evolution of the Asian American side, the Chinese American side of you wanting to tell your story. This by all accounts, not just you, but just overall, probably the coolest intersection of all those things. Um, How did the opportunity present itself to you? Did you seek it out? And, you know, how did it happen? This this is sort of part and parcel with the the previous thing I had said, but I I did not allow myself to believe that someone was ever going to make this movie in my lifetime, Um, Mm. which I think there has been an evolution and Marvel has done a really good job of sort of diversifying and and showing all these beautiful different color faces on screen. But, you know, I'm just, I spent 30 years of my life not seeing it happen. And then I got into the business and didn't see it happening from the other side. I was not around a lot of Asian people in meetings. I was not around a lot of Asian people on set. And I was certainly not being asked to tell stories from my perspective very frequently. And so Marvel was a company that, as I mentioned, I'm a huge fan of, and I had always wanted to write for them because I, it's fun. It's a very fun sandbox to play in. I had met with them a number of times. It had never quite worked out. And then they eventually called me in and they said, we want to do an Asian American or an Asian superhero. His name is Shang-Chi and he's the master of Kung Fu. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I don't know if I can swear on your podcast. Um, I got a little freaked out, but because I was not familiar with Shang-Chi and the master of Kung Fu thing at first blush scared me a little bit, right. but um, ultimately I very quickly came to, to the realization. This is, this is the only opportunity I've ever been given to tell a story from something somewhat relevant to my experience. And it's on the largest stage of all, which means right. the most eyeballs, which right. means quite a bit in terms of representation and visibility. And I'd be a fool not to try it. Now I will say, I don't think I realized when they hired me that it was a real movie. I, you know, I was like two months in and our producer, Jonathan, who's in the room with us every day, said something about Australia. And he mentioned this date. And I was like, what's happening in Australia? He's like, that's where we're shooting the movie. And I went, you're going to make this movie, which I don't mean to say as 
any sort of distrustfulness of Marvel as a company. They've done everything they've always promised that they would do. It was more just 40 years of not seeing it happen. Right. So I didn't allow myself to believe that it was going right. to get made. Even behind the scenes, you know, you you co-wrote with, with Destin, who's, who's been on the show, and I've gotten to, you know, hear a little bit of his side. Take us through that process of what was there still that or was there a little bit of trepidation or um, are we really doing this? And here are two Asian-American men, along with others behind in the entire organization, telling our story. And that was the lead, right? It wasn't like trying to weave in this component of our experience, even though, like you said, it, it has to do with the superhero whose superpower is Kung Fu. Like it has an extremely resonant Asian-American feel to it through not just the main, but many of the characters. How was that for you? And just sort of saying, oh my God, this is, this could be my, this could be me. It was amazing because as I mentioned before, I, I, it's not that frequently I get an opportunity to work with other Asian-Americans in Hollywood. Now that's changing pretty rapidly and has been changing before this movie, but to be able to be partnered with Destin and then to sit down with Destin, you've talked to him, you know, he's such a chill dude. He's so easy to talk to. It's just like hanging out with a friend. And we sat down and more or less what we did for the first month of working together was, what's your story? What have mm. you experienced? Because he's from Hawaii, which is a very different sort of cultural experience for an Asian person in America than certainly middle America must be, I would imagine. Um, I'm from the Bay Area. I'm from near Berkeley. So we just shared stories and tried to wrap our heads around what we had both experienced, what we both wanted to say about what we had experienced, what we were individually and then together identifying as the more universal Asian American stories that we wanted to present, because obviously there's no way to tell a story that represents every person right. inside of the Asian diaspora. It's, it's, it's a huge swath of people. So we were just trying to figure out what is resonant to us. And then every time somebody new would come on board, when, when Aquafina came on board, when Simu came on board, we would ask them, like, what have your experiences been as an Asian person living in America, because we would like to reflect those experiences as well. And so it was just a constant process of realizing that our experiences weren't the only ones, but also wanting to represent them. Another really amazing part of the Shang-Chi story overall is that it was filmed and created and now being released during a time that's been equally uh, challenging for Asians, Asian Americans in particular but mm -hmm. Asians globally, but also because for the same unfortunate reasons, this really, you know, reclamation of our voice to have people want to hear our stories and to have people pay attention and have companies and organizations invest in to our community. What sort of conversations were being had with the staff and did that change through the filming or through just side conversations, how the movie came about maybe not on screen, but at least just even from a team mindset perspective. We obviously started this process before the pandemic, uh, which I've experienced plenty of negative, I've had plenty of negative experiences um, growing up as an Asian American, but the pandemic to me, if, in terms of what you're talking about, is sort of the flashpoint, right? Of suddenly now there's a thing we can point to and say they did it. So we had shot half of the movie at the point at which the pandemic hit and we got shut down. And so, and then we had finished the movie before this last spring, which is just about around when I identify, and I think we all sort of recognize like the, it really started to yeah. feel kind of different. And so the movie had already been shot. And at that point, 
you know, De we we were going to do some reshoots and Destin called me and was just like, this is so different than the day that we started. The moment is different. What this means is different. And it scared us both because you, you don't necessarily want to be seen as like a knee jerk reaction to the thing because this existed many years before right. that. But it's also a tremendous opportunity to be the reaction to the thing, right? right? And so he just said, you know, is there anything left on the table that we want to put into this movie because of how things have changed? Is there anything we want to say? Is there, you know, what, we have the opportunity at Marvel to do reshoots and to, to shoot new material and to add things in it. And so um, we just had conversations about that. And, you know, to their credit, Marvel was very sympathetic to the situation we found ourselves in with respect to something like Black Widow, we were facing like a whole other set of issues when it came to down to how are we going to release this movie? Yeah. It's still a pandemic. What would streaming mean versus right. theatrical? Now, I'm not a part of any of those conversations, though I, I made one call to Marvel and just pleaded like, I don't know what you guys are planning right now. I don't know what the future looks like, but I, I believe very sincerely this movie has to be theatrical. I think that these Asian faces need to be on the same giant screen that people first saw Iron Man and Captain America. I just think it's critical. So maybe that was always the plan, but um, it was all part of a conversation that uh, I don't know that we saw ourselves having three years ago. And I don't think we will ever, because it's th this story and this movie and the impact of it will live on not just through us, but our children and, and hopefully beyond that. I have a four-year-old almost five-year-old son. And every time, you know, we, we used to go down the Lego aisle and look at superheroes, yeah. like, even though they're masks, like they're all white guys. Right. And, and so even now, like, you know, we've been here for decades, centuries, you know, or I guess centuries, literally decades more, you know, um, in recent memory. And, and still even the superheroes that our kids either look up to or want to emulate don't look like us. Right. And so I don't know, all my kids' friends are going to get like Shang-Chi toys and their books and you know like because if nothing else i want to normalize it and hopefully for them like it won't be a big deal right like exactly. in the same way in the way that you and i are, are, are talking about it I, I agree we do need to see this in theaters if you are hearing the sound of our voice and it is still opening weekend go if you're concerned about safety there's a really easy way buy out the whole damn theater <laughs> i understand that not everybody has the ability to do so but at least here in la it's Somewhere between two and three hundred dollars. You can invite twenty of your friends, as we are all weekend, and bringing friends and in a safe manner to go see it. And and I would encourage people to also. And I know when it, when there's huge marketing blitzes like this, it almost seems like overkill for you to share the thing that everybody else is sharing. But just like we did with a lot of the news items that was important to our community and other communities, there are people who will not be touched by any others than diagram except yours. Right. And so for you to hear it. And from, from wherever you grew up and from wherever you call home, there are people who still probably don't even know that the movie exists because it's not in their algorithm, right? And, exactly. and we know a lot about the algorithm. And so I would encourage people to share about the movie, share your thoughts about the movie, right? Because you can watch the movie and walk away from it saying, that's a cool, objectively awesome superhero movie and not talk about the Asian side of things and how we felt seen and how there's things in there like, oh my God, like I know exactly what that feels like, but it's important for non-Asian Americans to know why it is extra special to us. Mm -hmm. Just in a way that movies like Black Panther resonated with our black brothers and sisters and saying that is not my story, obviously it's, it's a fantasy story, but there's a part of it that made me feel seen. And I think, again, 
Can one movie do justice to 4 billion people globally? No. But will it help to make sure that it inspires other people to do so? And, and, and so, Dave, I, I'd love to, as, as we wrap, we hear a lot about the phrase representation matters, right? And it usually is what you see. And we also know that, you know, proper representation is what truly matters and getting the, the real story out there. But what you do writing way before even the actors are chosen, who we know for the movie, what is your message or what is your sort of vision for how you want more people who look like me and you, our kids, to do what you do? Because there are thousands of people who made this movie. And yet, and not, this is not to take away from any of the actors, but the ones that will get publicly celebrated are 10 maybe, right? And, and yeah. so, but we need every single person down to the people carrying the equipment, you know, marketing and doing all these things to make the movie happen, even the accountants, to, to be a part of the thing and have the industry reflect the communities that they serve. And there's a lot of us. So how, how do you see that happening? Yeah, well, I mean, I think that what's really important that what you're getting at, Jerry, is the necessity of people, you know, in, in our case, on our movie, everyone who worked on the movie should be telling people that they worked on the movie and that they got to be a part of this thing. And that sounds so simplistic, right? But I did not know growing up that an Asian person could be a screenwriter. It just didn't occur to me. Now, that's partially because I didn't know a ton about the film industry to begin with. But if I had... I'm not looking at a whole bunch of Asian names on the credit blocks of these movies that are coming out in the 80s. I wouldn't have known, you know, like a little kid can't dream of becoming something that they're not told exists. Right. And so if you love cameras or you love filmmaking, but you don't realize that there are Asian cinematographers or focus pullers or camera people, you, you might just not understand that that's even something that you can pursue. Yeah. So what I think is really critical, I mean, it's cool that there are Asian faces on screen, as you mentioned. And by the way, Asian people should be encouraged and just loved as actors because, you know, one of the things that we found ourselves up against is we got very lucky with Simu, but you realize pretty quickly when you're starting to cast a movie like this, that there's just not a lot of names on the list. And then the, the reason there are not a lot of names on the list is not because there's not good actors it's because there's no infrastructure for Asian men, especially, to have become good at the craft. Because usually what they're asked to do, and I'm friends with all kinds of really great uh, Asian guys that are, that are actors that are out here struggling. It's like triad, triad, triad. You know, like that's it. And when that's all you're being given to do, especially when it's like a Korean dude who's being asked to play a triad. Or, I mean, it's like, right. it's the craziest thing they're not being they're not being given the opportunity to stretch their muscles or to work work those muscles and to become better at it and so yeah. actors behind the scenes people executives producers it's really important for those voices to be out there so that because not everyone wants to grow up to be on screen but there's so many cool jobs everywhere that Asians can right. do that I just don't think Asians have been told they can do I I mean that's why we do this show right and this is why I extra geek to talk to you and Destin because I think it's important uh, the decision makers, whether it is a traditional Hollywood or, you know, whoever green lights the stuff at Netflix or people who fund YouTube series, like we need to also be in charge of telling and writing the narrative because, again, we can't just play the roles that are written for us. And so I, I appreciate your time, Dave. This is amazing. Really, really amazing. Would love for you to help us close out the show uh, yeah. with with a message of inspiration or anything you'd like to share as we do on our show, the Asian Americans is a letter to us, from us, to our kids, to anybody listening, 
to inspire them, to celebrate them, and to support them. And so uh, help us close out the show and complete the letter, Dear Asian Americans. Dear Asian Americans, we're just getting started. Please run through the door that we're kicking open right now. Run through the door, run straight to your box office, <laughs> go see the movie. And, and I will tell you, there are other great Asian American movies that are being released for the rest of the year. Support all of them. We want to support Shang-Chi, but also realize that it has got probably one of the biggest marketing budgets behind it. And we need to support the projects who don't, right? Okay. And so, so that one day we can have more mega budget opportunities like this. And so number one, congratulations to thank you for doing this. It means a lot more to me uh, than I think you'd know. While we have the air, thank you to the entire TDW team for handling this with so much care and an amazing opportunity. Best of luck. And I hope that all of you, you especially, they've hoped that this week goes by slow so that you can <laughs> process it. Yeah. Because, you know, it's like, you know, things go by so fast when it's exciting. But, you yeah. know, this is historic and this is important for everybody. Um, and so thank you for making the movie. It is awesome. I encourage people to go see it. And buy an extra ticket for a friend, y'all. Well, thank you for having me, Jared. Thank you for doing what you do. I I appreciate you. I think just as much as you appreciate this film and and you putting your voice out there and the the, the just incredible expanse of types of people that you talk to, I think is so important. And it's so inspirational, and um, I'm very thrilled to be here. I feel very very humbled, and um, I just uh, thanks again. It's it's exciting. I hope I hope we all have a good experience here. Thanks, everybody. And go blue. Big shout out today for making time for us on this show. It really is uh, hard to put into words what uh, this means, not just for us, um, but for our kids and for every other kid. And I want to say especially the non-Asian American kids um, who will now, it's just going to be normal for them to know that an Asian American superhero uh, in Marvel exists. The billboards, the toys, the, the normalization of it just being a thing. And so hopefully, uh, we're all hopeful that this is the spark, a continued spark in an evolution of us continuing to get roles, uh, both in front and behind the camera, so that we can tell our own stories. And so again, big thanks to Dave and the entire team uh, for, for making this uh, interview possible. Encourage you to go see it, uh, share it out uh, overnight. The Rotten Tomato scores are at 99% on the audience side. And so uh, not just us that likes it, but everybody seems to like it as well. And so continue staying safe. Please take care of yourself. Check in on your loved ones. And I'll see you next week here on Dear Asian Americans. This has been your host, Jerry Wan. And as we always do, we wish you happiness, health, and safety. <laughs>